So please take out your sermon notes and turn into your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. It's the third book in the New Testament. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1. There should be some sermon notes in front of you or on your seat there. And you can follow along with us if you choose to take notes. Luke chapter 1. Before we get reading, I want to do some background things again with this. As we approach the subject today, we're going to talk about unanswered prayers. I believe it is safe to say that we all could testify that we have unanswered prayers in our life. If you're a person that loves to pray to God, there are no doubt are prayers on your mind, your heart, that are unanswered. We've been in our lives praying these prayers. Maybe it's for someone or something to happen, and we continue to wait. We wait for God to answer our prayers. You know, coming to California, and I've learned in California that you don't wait for a light to turn green at a stoplight. Movement has to be begun at the end of a red light or you will hear someone honking. Get going. We do not like to wait. It's hard for us to wait. Today we're going to talk about unanswered prayers and prayers that have been on our heart and we've been praying a long time to see God answers. And some of these Prayers are very dear to us. Perhaps it has with a family member, a child, or a grandchild. And we say in our mind as if they are very dear to us. And we want these prayers to be answered. And we say, how come God has an answer? Aren't these prayers as dear to God as they are to us? Unanswered prayers are like sitting down and writing a letter that includes an important request and then mailing the letter, then we wait for a reply. And we check the mailbox each day looking for a reply and an an answer to our request. And we wait. And the next day we wait and to see if we have received an answer. And our thoughts start to do the what ifs. What if I get lost? What if it gets lost? Perhaps I didn't write the letter correctly. Perhaps I came across too strong or not strong enough. Or maybe they are angry at me. Maybe they just don't care, too busy. Why don't they answer? And perhaps I could have been even writing the wrong letter. In your notes, unanswered prayers are part of every believer's journey. Now, I want you to understand this, and I say this because you're not weird. You're not an exception if you have unanswered prayers. We all have them, okay? We all have noses. (laughs) We all have unanswered prayers. I also want to understand that it's normal. If you've been waiting a long time for your prayers to be answered by God, that is part of a journey's believer. Having a correct understanding about unanswered prayers is a serious matter. Unanswered prayers are the reason a lot of people will become frustrated, bitter, and, and sometimes they'll even quit following Jesus because God didn't answer their prayers. 
I've ran across several people, and it is common uh, when you find people that have quit churches because they, they didn't get their prayers answered. And they go away bitter or frustrated about God. I met a man in his 30s one time. He told me the reason he didn't have anything with God and church because when he was nine years old, his dad came down with cancer. And someone told him that if, if you would pray and have enough faith in God, that God would heal his dad. And he said this with tears in his eyes to me. I had total faith as a kid in God. I was praying as sincere as I could pray for my dad, as any son would. And my dad died. That man, perhaps even still today, was wrestling whether he had let his dad down by his performance or it was God that let him down. This young man was bitter because someone told him something that wasn't biblical and he didn't have a correct view of unanswered prayers. Luke 1 gives a story about a couple who had unanswered prayer and that was very dear to them. And we can relate to the story as we have unanswered prayers. And so today we're going to see unanswered prayers as a part of a believer's journey. Next week, we're going to talk about this same subject, but we're going to cover next week the why we have unanswered prayers. I just want to drive something home that unanswered prayers are part of a journey, of the believer's journey. And so the story that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 1 is the story that takes place six months before the birth of Christ. It is linked to Luke chapter 2, which Pastor Kevin's going to bring out of Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, there is another birth that happens here in Luke chapter 1. There are parallel stories, very similar, that are going on here with this story that we'll look at uh, this morning. And so when we look at Luke chapter 1, I want you to think about this as being... As, as soon we'll understand that John the Baptist is going to be born. Let's talk about the birth of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. Is that it's, it's like Christmas decorations. You know, when you put up Christmas decorations and you came in this morning, you notice the decorations and you say, oh, Christmas is around the corner. In fact, it's almost uh, about two weeks away. <laughs> now, some of you, when, before the dishwasher started cleaning your Thanksgiving meal, you already had pulled out the Christmas decorations. I mean, you were anxious to get them. And the reason, because you were waiting and you were expecting and you were wanting to have Christmas here. And so when you look at Luke chapter 1, it's like the Christmas decoration. It's the preparation for something very special. And this event is a signal of a great event which gives greater evidence to the reality and importance of Christ's birth. So I want to read verses 1 through 4 of Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to use the New Living Translation because uh, it just points something out very clear to us. It says, many people, and Luke is writing, Luke's the author, it says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, a most honored Theophilus, 
so you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. So Luke is the author. I don't want to just bring out a couple, uh, a few things that it makes Luke special. And, and uh, as, bef- as we get into the book of Luke and to the story that starts in verse 5. But Luke stands out from the other writers of the New Testament. He's writing this about 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is a Gentile. All the other writers are Jews. And so this makes Luke stand out. There is no record of Luke's salvation in the scripture or calling to be a disciple of Jesus Christ or into the ministry. It simply states in the scripture, I believe it's in Colossians, that he was a companion of Paul. He is a physician, so he is a doctor. He is a learned man, educated man. And he acts as a church historian. He's writing also, he's the author also of the book of Acts. And when you look at the book of Acts, it's truly uh, a, a chronological it's a story of the church. It's a history of the church. And so he writes bo- the book of Luke, and he writes the book of Acts. And when you put those two together, as far as volume, he writes as much as the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament. Apostle Paul, as far as volume... Paul wrote many more books, but as far as volume with Luke and Acts compared to what Paul wrote, it's almost the same. Paul wrote a little bit more than that. And so Luke is a special book. It talks about the birth of Christ more than any of the other Gospels. There are nine chapters in the book of Luke that are not found in the other four Gospels from the chapter 9 to verse 8, or chapter 9 to, to 18. But Luke did not have an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. He was not one of the wise men sitting there bringing gifts to the birth of Christ. He was not there at the birth of Christ. But he interviews people who were there in a meticulous way. He gives us more information than the other Gospels about the birth of Christ and other events. And so we have the author of Luke. Let's go to verse 5. And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we see that these events happen at a definite time with definite people. Herod, Herod was known as Herod the Great. He was also the one who was was instrumental in uh, causing the two-year-olds and under to be killed when Jesus was born. So this is Herod. It's mentioned here. Herod is a Gentile slash Jew. It's a mixed uh, race. And he was known for his spectacular building programs. But he was more uh, known for his paranoid cruelty that he even killed family members. So this is a time of the story that we find of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So Herod was the king of Judea, certain priests named Zechariah, the division of Abijah. Let's go to verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, and blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both well in advanced in years. So we see here that they were good people. They loved God. 
They were righteous. They were doing right. They lived right before God. Uh, Zechariah was a priest, which was a great honor. We'll get to more into that next week. It's an interesting story with Zechariah as he has been called in to uh, uh, offer uh, incense and to pray for the people. And, uh, and there's a miraculous thing that happens with Zechariah and Elizabeth. So they were, uh, they were righteous, yet, but the Bible says they were barren, and they were well up into years. They had no child. We have to understand that during this time, to be barren was to believe that you were cursed. It, it was something that it wasn't... It was something that was, was looked down upon, and, and you felt incomplete as, as a mother and perhaps even as a father. And at that time in this culture, it was even the grounds for divorce. I mean, it, it was so uh, a position of, of negative that if you didn't have a child, that the husband could say, I want a divorce. There are some very parallel things that we find in the book of Luke, chapter 1 and chapter 2 as well, because we find the story of Joseph and, and Mary, and Joseph had the grounds of divorce or separation of during that engagement time as well. And so here with Zechariah and Elizabeth, but both of them trusted God with the difficulties that were tied to their marriage, and they kept on. I want to give you the first, the second point in our notes. Unanswered prayers, unless we ask amiss, our prayers are on hold. I don't know how long did Zechariah and Elizabeth pray. We don't really have the answer. They were up in years, and some believe that they were, when Zechariah went in to serve as a priest, and it was a, it was a, a life event, a once-in-a-life event when he did that, that he was probably age of 50 or 60 years old. And so he was probably in that place, but it's definitely, we could say that he was past the age of having children. And, and so I don't know if they came to a place and they, and they were prayed and they prayed and they prayed and, and there was no answer from God for this. And they prayed. And perhaps even by this time that they had even given up. And sometimes it's easy for us when those unanswered prayers that we taught, we just say, okay, God must just, and we give up on that. Uh, we're not sure if he was continuing praying, even past the age of having children, that he continued to pray for a child. But they kept on praying. And, and I'll tell you, as we get into the story next week, God does answer the prayer, and, and, and it's a wonderful story, and there's some reasons that we'll find why God has unanswered prayers in our life, the purpose of those. There are several couples in the Scripture that, that are famous couples that, that, that were in the same condition as, as Elizabeth and Zechariah. Abraham and Sarah, remember, they were in their 90s, and yet God provided a child. So... They lived their life out every day with something that was missing in their family, a child, and they kept praying. You know, when we come down to unanswered prayers, unanswered prayers cause us to trust in the sovereignty of God. 
that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. We trust God with our unanswered prayers. And sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we, we, we have no reason why God is not answering these prayers. Now, sometimes we do, and we'll talk about that next week. But sometimes there are no reasons why uh, that we can know or figure out why God doesn't answer prayers. I'm going to give you three biblical examples of this in the scriptures where God doesn't answer prayers and we think that he should or they thought that he should. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and I want to read in verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And he said, unless I should be exalted Paul saying this, above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Now, he's given a reason. Now, he had come to a place of, of complete, I understand now why my prayer wasn't being answered. But going through that, praying prayers over and over again, he, he wrestled with why isn't God answering prayer? And he came to this conclusion, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning the thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Paul prayed at least three different times and finally God. And Paul in his sincerity, and if there was a man of faith, that Paul, Paul was a man of faith. He was righteous. He was doing what God asked him to do. And yet God said, I'm not going to heal you. Whatever that thorn was, whatever it was, if it was physical, it was emotionally, whatever it was, God said to Paul, I'm not going to, this is good, and it will be a benefit to you, and it was. I remind you the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, right before he went to the, cru- the cross and his death, and he prayed in the, in, the, in the garden there a prayer, and he prayed to God the Father, he says, God, let this cup of suffering pass by me. And then he prayed this prayer after that. He says, nevertheless, thy will be done. If there was anybody that could ask a prayer that seemed would be right on, it would be Jesus Christ. But in that struggle, in that time of wrestling before going to the cross, God didn't answer that. God didn't take that cup of suffering away, but he allowed them to go through that. And Jesus said this, and I think this is a key to us when we come to unanswered prayers in our life, is that he says, nevertheless, thy will be done. Jesus didn't receive what he prayed for, but he said his will be done. And in our times of unanswered prayers, the will of God be done. Now, some of you, I'm going to be praying for the Rams to beat the Seahawks this afternoon. (laughs) And here's a key. When you pray that prayer, you're going to have to say, his will will be done. And and I want to tell you, 
his will will be done with the Seahawks. I'm just telling you right away. But in, this, in our, in our, in our uh, trusting the sovereignty of God of our answered prayers, we say, if that would be the will of God. And you can pray that prayer with faith. You can pray that prayer with sincerity. And if God answers that prayer like, he, uh, like you want him to, then praise God. But if he isn't, God is still good. He's still sovereign. And we'll trust him with that. I want to go to one more passage of Scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. This is the faith chapter. In Hebrews chapter 11, it starts off talking about faith is the substance of things hoped for for the evidence of things not seen. And it goes on to give several illustrations about Abraham and Abel and Enoch and Noah and and uh, it goes on to make a list of people, and we call this the Hall of Faith, uh, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it goes on to verse 33, and I'll begin reading verse 33. It says, Who through the faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteous, obtained promises, and stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the, the edge of the, of, of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, because valiant bound, turned to the flight of the armies of the aliens. He's talking about people having this great uh, faith. And then verse 35, Who received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better rest. Resurrection. And then it says, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings and yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned and they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Were these people people of faith? I would say yes. That was the whole subject, the whole flow of, of chapter 11. And yet, in their times of, of life, they suffered. And they, even though they had great faith, and even though they, they prayed, and yet, these people did not get their answers to their prayers. I'm sure in prison they were praying, or others were praying that they would get out of prison. I'm sure as they were hiding in the mountains, in the caves, they were praying God's deliverance and people. I'm sure that in the difficulties of, of the torture that they suffered, I'm sure that they prayed, but yet God didn't answer their prayers like they wanted Him to. And so we see unanswered prayers are part of every believer's journey. And the last point is unanswered prayers are part of my journey as well as your journey as well. We'll have unanswered prayers in our life. We'll probably check out of this life and go to the next life with probably some unanswered prayers. And that's okay. Unanswered prayers are like opening presents on Christmas morning. Or whenever you open Christmas presents. We're like Ralphie in the Christmas story. <laughs> who wanted an official Red Ryder carbon action 200 shot range model air rifle. And his mother said, no, it'll shoot your eye out. 
The reality of life, we don't get every present that we ever wished for or prayed for. And we have to be okay with this and trust God. We can hope, we can pray, but it's totally up to the sovereignty of God if our prayers are answered like we prayed. Let's bow our heads in prayer. My friend, there was one prayer that the scriptures tell us that will be answered every time we pray it. And that is this, what we call the sinner's prayer. If you're here this morning and God has spoken to you and you understand what the birth of Christ is and not about presence or Santa Claus, but the birth of Christ was about Jesus Christ who came to be born to die for us on that cross. The life of Christ is bigger than the birth of Christ. More scripture is given to the attention of his death, his burial and resurrection almost three times more than the birth of Christ because this is most important to us. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus and you'd like to invite him in and he gives us that gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, right now, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and you can pray in your heart, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on a cross for me. God, I accept the work of Jesus into my life. And when I die, I know that I'll go to heaven because of what Jesus has done for me. If you've prayed that prayer or a similar thought of that prayer, then you have received the reason why Christ was born. And may we be able to help you in your journey and by you coming up and letting us know that you've asked Jesus into your, into your heart, into your life. Heavenly Father, you sit on the highest throne of the universe. You are a sovereign king, Lord of all. The am that I am. And at the same time, you are the one who loves us the most and knows us the best. And Father, we trust you with every thing in our life, our heart, our soul, our lives, every prayer, every unanswered prayer, we trust you with this. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen.